Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Z. We've worked in insights on both the supplier and brand sides. And we've worked for software suppliers to the industry. And we've been friends for a few years now and love geeking out over research topics. Every couple of weeks, we chat about topics in market research and insights here on MR Explorer. So Z, are you ready for today's episode? Sure am. Let's do this. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? I am doing quite well. I actually, I, I think I told you this earlier this week, I managed to get out on my bike on Monday. That is so cool. What's funny is I did not realize until I got my bike out, the last time I rode my bike was the uh, second triathlon that I had ever done. Second and so far last triathlon last year. That's so Which great. also super odd that it was just last year that I like I saw reminders of my very first triathlon pop up on on my Google photos and I was like I cannot believe that just last year I did a triathlon and not just one I did two triathlons but the Lake Patton one just killed me mm-hmm. wow. that one just oh I think I'm still recovering from it. Um, <laughs> but I still had the stickers on my bike and on my helmet for it. I think that my Ironman number is still on my helmet. I think, is it really? I think so. Like my tiny little number 892, I think. I think it's yep. still there. I can't believe that I was supposed to be in an Ironman in four weeks. That is crazy. I could have done it. You totally could have. I totally could have. I'm not mad that now it's at the end of September, so it'll be fine. I'm good. So should we get into what we're supposed to like talk about on the podcast today? Let's do it. Um, and we're going to make a valiant effort not to derail our conversations <laughs> today. We can Super do it. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> we had to make an outline for this week. <laughs> we're not researchers at Fair. all. <laughs> to be fair, I made a full outline for last week too, and that did not work out. <laughs> okay, so here's here's I did not, and I'm the one that derailed our conversation. So <laughs> Okay, this week I think we're gonna try a second attempt of what we were supposed to talk about two weeks ago. Um this week we're going to talk about learning. Um, and how we have like the different kind of resources we've used in the past to grow our skills, um, how we've gone about um, identifying that we've needed to expand our skills. Um, And today we're going to focus on our hard skills as opposed to our soft skills like we talked about last time, mentoring, networking, et cetera. Um, So I think my first question for you is... um, how do you really know when you need to expand a skill set? Um, what kind of goes through your mind and what are some of the um, typical resources that you use? Do you typically lean on colleagues or the web, um, et cetera? So tell me a little bit about your journey in expanding your hard skill set. Yeah. Um, times that I have found myself needing to develop a skill, it's been uh, just a wide variety of things. Either I feel completely out of my depth as I'm going into something, 
Other times it's been, I've been in meetings and, um, you know, sometimes there are meetings where you have just a one-off and topics get brought up and maybe you don't know a lot about the topic, but it doesn't really matter because you're not going to be in that kind of meeting again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there are other types, other times where I found myself thinking that might be the case. And then the next thing I saw was like two or three meetings go by and the same kind of topic has been brought up. Uh, Similar, uh, well, let me give more, a more concrete example. Um, I spent a lot of my career in market research working the B2B side. So business to business research, which is very different from business to consumer research. It's all about people, but it's, uh, retail, for example, versus um, stuff that you need to be able to run 500 computers for a company. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of at that, at that level, right? So I'm I'm working in the B2C side now, and um, the role that I have is really just how do you help customers think more strategically about how they're going to do research? Not a problem. What I don't, what I didn't have and what I'm developing now is the language behind B2C. And so things like the word optimize, which I thought I knew, would come up and I would hear either a colleague or a customer talk about the need for optimization. And I thought I understood at what time optimizing an idea happened. And it turns out I was completely wrong. (laughs) there were uh, UNA or ANU uh, attitudes and usage would come up and I, as a type of study, as a, as a methodology, and I was like, what is that? Um, and it's funny because in the B2B world, you still do a lot of the same types of research, but it almost has different names and you don't refer to it in the same way as you do B2C. And so for me, the identification came when I was sitting in meetings and I would keep hearing these terms come up and realize, hmm, this is more different than I expected it to be. I don't understand what these people are are saying. I get like from a 50,000 foot view what's going on, but I definitely need to dig deeper. So that was the identification part. Um, The the looking for resources part was my first go-to is online, just a Google, mm-hmm. right? Like define A and U research or mm-hmm. define research. I am such a huge fan of the ability to just type in define colon and then put the term and see what comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been times though, where I still have not really understood what was going on. And so I, Thankfully, I have resources both internally, and this has been true for every job I've had, where there are other people in the company that I can ask and just post a question and say, hey, I, how did you guys learn about this? Um, I have even at times said, is there a like conjoint for dummies so that I can just mm-hmm. have easy to refer to? Um, and then... And then other times I have reached out to former colleagues and network people, uh, people in my network who have operated in those spaces to help them explain to me what the terms mean, um, even what their processes were. Just tell me a bit about what the job was like that they had as a researcher in B2C so that I can get a better understanding of 
the terms that they use and their processes. Um, and, and then there also are like even just more general things like when I needed to shore up on my analytic skills, I looked into online courses that I could take um, to get both the broader view as well as more hands-on the how-to kinds of pieces. So mm -hmm. I think those are the, the two big buckets for me, how I identified and then resources that I turned to. So when it comes to identifying some of those resources, um, have you found that there are certain kinds of resources that are more beneficial for specific kind of questions? Like when it comes to a more broad question, like what is this type of methodology as a whole um, versus um, terms or um maybe even just the way that your company um tends to do specific kinds of resource or sorry uh different kinds of research um yeah. are there ways that you prefer to attack a specific type of outstanding question that you have there are a lot of things that i have found that i use um one of the things that i use and I guess it depends on the area that I'm looking in. Mm -hmm. So let me start with just basic market research stuff. Um, I actually was looking at um, certifications. This was a few years ago. I was looking for certifications because I am mostly, I, I consider it self-taught in market research. And my career started in a Department of Energy National Laboratory, which is not where most people's careers can re in market research start. And so I came in with a lot of government terms and public sector terms, but not private sector terms. And so to help me learn the correct language, or at least a, a broader language, um, that was my introduction to a couple of places. One is Research Rockstar. Um, which is just an online, you can get certificates, you can get um, very specific uh, classes, online classes, both like online, completely online, self-led, as well as online led by an instructor. Um, but there were also, that was also when I found uh, Market Research Institute International, which just for, for visibility, I am a member of the board now for MRII. Um, and the, the certification that they do is in conjunction with the University of Georgia, and it's very, very broad. Um, there are little specific things about quant, uh, quantitative research, qualitative research, but really the idea behind that is, behind their certification is, it's, it's a broad certification for someone to better understand the nature of the market research industry. Um, and it it absolutely served its purpose that I needed. It gave me the words that I needed, gave me the terminologies that I needed. It gave me a better understanding of methodologies. It gave me a better understanding of how market research fits within an entire organization. Um, so like working with a marketing team, a brand team, working, it gave me a very high level view of analytics so that I could at least speak to analytic mm -hmm. teams about the types of analysis that needed to happen. Um, but then when it came to more specific pieces, like, great, I now can at least talk a little bit about data analysis. What about 
actual statistical analysis, that's when mm-hmm. I ended up finding places like Coursera, um, which there's so many online university classes now available, but Coursera was the one that really caught my eye because mm-hmm. they have so many free courses. And then you can also, they have certificate programs um, that you pay just a little bit extra for, and it's a whole schedule that they put together that you can work through but it gets more in depth in any particular topic. So it's like almost this funnel idea, right? Of you have general market research knowledge and what does market research mean? How does it operate? And then you can dig deeper into any one of those pieces, one of those areas. That's where I think like Research Rockstar, I think does a really great job too of if you want to learn how to become a focus group moderator, they have types, they have some classes around that. I know there are other places that do that too. But then there was another piece that I found in my career that I have also needed to have help with. And that is when I'm doing subject-focused market research. So when I needed to learn about IT professionals and developers, I would go to places like um, uh, Financial Times had really great pieces that would help me with understanding what was happening in the IT pro world. there were other newsletters that I started to um, to read once a week just to get an idea of what what were their terms, what was what were their questions, what did they need. Um, now that I'm working more on the CPG side, doing just lots of things, I actually have set my news feed on my phone with. Uh, a couple of different terms, like it, they're either keywords for specific um, stuff around the customers that I support so that I can get an idea of like what's happening in the world of this Fortune 500 company, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I also have other keywords in there that are broader in nature. And so it might be like, tell me what's happening in the retail world. Tell me what's happening in the clothing world. Um, just whatever whatever subject I, I need to get a bit more shored up on, I will actually go in and just do a keyword filter on my news feed so that I can start getting some of those things um, that are more relevant and more day-to-day and are, are faster moving than something like the market research industry as a whole. So it almost sounds like there's a few different ways of approaching expanding your hard skill set, some of them being directly in the market research um, world and industry, and some of them, like you just mentioned, in tailoring what you surround yourself with on a daily basis and what you're just ingesting um, by chance or whatever is available to you is to help your knowledge and being able to speak with your clients, your customers, your stakeholders, et cetera. Exactly. In fact, I actually started subscribing to the American Marketing Association daily newsletter, um, daily email, because of something that someone in my network had actually talked about. And that was, as market researchers, There is no reason why we shouldn't know what is going on in the marketing industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. You know, we focus, we tend to focus a lot on what's happening in the world of market research, but she said, that's not who we serve. We don't serve each other necessarily. We need to serve the marketing teams and the brand teams. And they are hearing from 
American Marketing Association types of industries. So I now get that email because it was another one of those, oh my gosh, that is such a good call out of, do you know about your stakeholders industry as a whole, instead of like a marketing person who's working at a technology company? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, there are so many professional organizations that I become, I've become a little overwhelmed with which to join, to, to know, to learn about things because there's, there's just so many. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also really cool because I've actually started to think maybe, you know, there definitely will be involvement in my, on my part in market industry organizations, but what about like an AMA kind of a, a, a thing, um, advertising stuff, just for me to at least ha- have visibility into what's happening in my, in stakeholders world. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I think that's a great idea. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, we're in market research industry, but I know my stakeholders reside somewhere within a marketing org, whether it's advertising or campaign or web content Mm -hmm. or blog content or webinar content, like all of those pieces contribute to some kind of marketing um, piece of the marketing org. And we should know what is going on um, generally, as well as how marketing within each industry is progressing and some of the new ways of attacking those marketing campaigns or especially in the given environment what are some um things to do things to avoid etc so not only are we producing and providing um business recommendations messaging content product recommendations but we can also say like and we know a little bit more um, let's level up this recommendation in bringing in some general marketing content. Right. And I think I have found it super valuable too, to see what the AMA is saying about market research. Mm. What types of research are they saying they need? They have articles constantly about telling marketers how to use market research. And I'm always curious who wrote that and what are they saying about how to use market research and what types of market research? Um, I found MarTech, which is marketing technology, has been super helpful because this was another area where I realized I was kind of living in a little bit of a bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, not real, you know, again, in the in our industry, in the market research industry, you hear about these different brands that are doing uh, social listening or qualitative work online or quantitative work online. But mind completely blown when I saw that someone had put together the past few years, this enormous MarTech um, poster that listed all sorts of tools that are being used by marketers. Hmm. And it has it like just uh, uh, so many categories, so many things. If you look at the poster, it is overwhelming just how many brands are listed and how many categories are listed. But what was so fascinating to me as I'm like zooming in and trying to see all these things and where's, where's my brand? Where's my brand? Um, you know, the brand that I work for Zappy. I'm like, where's the Zappy logo? Where's this? It's not there. And then I was like, where's Vox Pop? Vox Pop me isn't there. 
Qualtrics isn't there. Where where is everything? (laughs) There's this data analysis. What are these brands? I've never heard of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it started to to make me realize uh, just how much how much there is to know, as well as realize when when we are talking with our stakeholders how much they are hearing from not just us, but from so many companies, right? Like every single one of those companies at some point is knocking on your stakeholders door, trying to offer them something and trying to say, we have an answer for you to help you do your job better. And so many of them can be DIY, they're automated, they do make things way easier so that they can totally bypass sometimes needing a market research professional. And so if anything, getting into that really helped me develop a sense of empathy for my, my, my customers as I'm a Zappi employee, my stakeholders when I was at Microsoft, um, just to realize there is a ton out there beyond what we think of in the market research industry. And there's a ton of opportunity to do a lot more crossover um, and to partner a lot stronger across the board. Mm-hmm. Agree. Completely agree. I think another resource that I like to use um, on my side to see what kind of um, skills are out there or maybe what's um, what is being talked about in the market research world is um, using my social listening, um, like going to LinkedIn or reading uh, my newsletters from Wire um, and those kind of resources to see what kind of webinars are being offered, what are the new or um, developing methodologies that we can use, what are some of the trends that we're seeing in market research, um, how the current environment is impacting the industry as a whole, um, how yeah. do you like to use um, sources like LinkedIn or I guess maybe even to go a little further because you never know with social media, um, how do you discern what is good and reliable information to dig into or a good source and how do you discern um, that, you know, it, it isn't, I guess. Right, right. Um, gosh, one of the things that I did is when I started really getting into the market research world was, uh, and I, I honestly don't remember how and why I did this. Uh, I think I remember why I went to Twitter. Mm. I went to Twitter and I started looking up hashtags, uh, and started trying to find people who were talking about market research on, on social media. Uh, doing that was how I ended up finding the hashtag MRX, mm. which is why the podcast is called MR Explorer. Um, and when I started to do just a search for hashtag MRX, I started to see names that I had seen before, like Jeffrey Henning. And then I started seeing names that I hadn't seen before. Like that's how I came across Annie Pettit. That's how I came across Ray Pointer. Um, and those three were were some of the originals that I saw very active on social media talking about new methodologies. I mean, Ray Pointer is, uh, was the voice for new MR, which was just new market research, right? And then I found um, 
Lenny Murphy, who leads Green Book and does IIEX. And I found the Green Book blog as a result of that. And um, because of the, the pieces that they were publishing on Green Book, on Twitter, the pieces that they were sharing, I started to get an idea of what were some of the more, um, I guess, methodolog methodologically sound pieces of advice to listen to. Um, and, and I started to, to connect with them a little bit. And there are times where I have reached out to them just to say, hey, what's your thought on, on this thing? Mm -hmm. Like, does this seem right? Does this seem worth it? Um, uh, New MR, that organization now puts out a lot of really cool online webinars and their stuff is very forward looking. Um, Wire with Kristen Luck, mm -hmm. that she started that organization, um, has not only online resources, but I loved the fact that they also, I think once a month, they have like ask me almost an ask me anything where they have just someone from the industry who's willing to answer questions that you can post online. Um, but it was, I guess it was from that original core of people that I started to learn about the other resources. And I started to learn how to identify what was good and what was probably a little more shaky in terms of what looked good. Um, one thing that I have had to pay attention to is what is what is the difference between someone who is trying to sell a methodology versus someone who is trying to teach a methodology? Mm, because those are okay. very different things. And so um, webinars, if there can be times where you're starting to listen to a webinar and it starts off or uh, midway through, it turns into a sales, sales pitch. Mm -hmm. And that for me personally puts a big caveat on everything that I have heard up to that point. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not necessarily that whatever they shared is not valid. It's just the spirit in which it was shared. And it makes me want to dig a little bit deeper and learn more, just not necessarily learn more in, the, in a sense of, oh, I, maybe I'll do business with them. But honestly, dig into more and see just how sound their advice is, how, how grounded it is in scientific information, like actual data versus, I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but you know, just the validity of it. Yeah. Hey friends, before we get into the next part of this episode, I just want to let you know, you're going to hear a little difference in sound on my voice. For some reason, I think my phone got tired of recording me and it uh the audio quality suffered a little bit but i've done what i could to make sure that it's still audible and hopefully it will go off without a hitch so here we go so i guess my follow-up question to that would be because just because there are so many webinar invites um being thrown around right now because we're not meeting in person so what do you think, because I've also been in similar webinars where, you know, the title of it says this, and it sounds like something that I just want to know more about. And then 
the entire webinar is you can only complete this task if you purchase this type of situation. So what do you think is that balance between information giving, um, uh, I guess being being an informative webinar or a teaching webinar that is sponsored by a specific company because most webinars, they would need to be sponsored by a company. Um, right. and, and then just promoting your own capabilities. Like, what do you think is that delicate balance? One of the things that I have that I, I guess I have an internal way of, um, prioritizing content that is being promoted to me. Mm-hmm. And the, my first priority will go to, is it coming from an industry organization like Insights Association, um, MRS in the UK? Is it coming from SOMAR? Is it coming from um, Green Book? You know, who is it that is, that seems to be the, or or that is the one who is promoting the webinar in the first place? Is it a new MR webinar? Mm -hmm. Uh, Those I will give more priority over just because they, those organizations operate more broadly when it's a webinar that is being offered um, by a specific company. One of the things that I look for is what are they doing in the description of the webinar? Who do they say is going to speak in the webinar? Um, and I will give priority in my own, in my own head, uh, I will give priority to those who it's not just the companies people that are speaking, but also perhaps a customer of theirs. Okay. And maybe not even a customer, but someone outside of their company that is working with them. I will give higher priority to those because I am more likely to hear something. Well, I understand it's still going to be salesy. There's still going to be a pitch probably involved. Um, I will also be hearing from someone outside of that company that has been working with them. So I guess that's, I guess that's how I kind of bucket the uh, the different types of things that I'm going to sign up for that I'm going to want to watch the um, uh, recording later if I can't make it for the webinar itself. Um, and I think why I tend to give priority to, to a lot of the organizations that are, like I said, that have a more, have a broader um, remit than just being a company operating in this space. Awesome. So I want to walk back and widen our lens a little bit in the market research, learning hard skills, um, discussion, and maybe ask you, what do you think has, what do you think has been the most valuable hard skill one let's let's do two different ones one that you have been taught and one that you had to you found out figured out you needed to learn and how to teach yourself Ooh, Mm, i know um they could be the same (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna walk it back um i think um yeah, they. I mean, they could be the same. They could be something that uh, was identified to you of like, hey, this might be a good skill for you to learn, um, but you had to go and figure out how to learn it. So I guess they could be the same. Yeah. Um, gosh. 
you know, I want to say that it's the, the hard skill that I think I have had to, to find myself, um, that I use a lot is, and it's going to sound a little, a little weird, but I think it's how to find information Mm. in general. Okay. Uh, Things like everything from, I I don't know what that term means to I don't know much about this particular industry or this particular market or um, an audience um, to I don't know about all of these different um, industry organizations that I'm hearing about. What do they do? How do they differ? Mm-hmm. Who, who do they where do they operate? Who's involved? Because there have just been so many things that I've had to learn from, um, from, gosh, just from analytics to how to write a survey question correctly to how to put together an in-depth interview uh, set of questions to how to do a focus group screener, what the hell that even is in the first place, mm-hmm. uh, how to find focus group um facilities how to do just all of these things that I feel like the skill that I have had to rely on the most is just how to how to even start looking for the answer mm-hmm. what do you think then in expanding on that what do you think are some of your top few um go-to ways of finding that information do you go I mean you've already mentioned that you go web you you tend to go web search first do you ever um like I guess how often do you access other people live like maybe your coworkers or some of your former colleagues like do you tend to only go to them if you can't find the answer online no in fact I'll go to them often to validate what I found online ah okay Okay. Yeah. So, so I remember when I was looking for research, um, just broad research information, like how do I get to figure out the market research industry so that I can bridge that gap between having been at a national laboratory to operating in the rest of the market research world. Um, when I looked for different, uh, different online tools, I reached out to the network that I had built to ask them about it. Especially if it's something at that level, if it's something like explain to me what uh, an attitudes and user, attitudes and usage type of study is, I can generally find an answer for that online that's fairly concise. Um, But if it comes to, so how do I decide when I need to recommend that cognitive methodology, that's where I will then go to more of my internal network to try Mm to ask them, how do they use an ANU? How do they use a a validation tool? When does that happen? Because that's where I feel like individuals will give me a better context than I can get from from online often. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think it's interesting the two different ways that we can go about learning new skills in that, you know, we can go online, we can self-serve. There are so many either free or inexpensive resources out there 
that people have poured a lot of time and talent into developing so that the industry can grow and the industry can grow with talented and very intellectual human beings. Um, I, I like to utilize those resources, but one of my favorite resources to utilize are my colleagues that I have pinpointed as being very good in those areas. For example, before I went client side for the first time, um, I did, I, I was in a role where I was learning analytics on the job. I had never been in a role where I was um, storytelling and populating decks and giving, you know, presenting those to stakeholders. Right. So I was learning how to do that, but I wanted to expand and be able to do more end-to-end research, but I had never written a questionnaire before. And there yeah. was one colleague that um, worked on my same team who was exceptional about building questionnaires. Um, mm-hmm. And so I asked her, I said, would you mind putting together almost like a how-to step guide. I want to learn how your mind works. I want to learn where you go to first. I want to learn how you put together these questionnaires. Um, Write them from scratch with ad hoc work. I worked on trackers at the time where the questionnaire, you know, we might change an attribute here or there, but it generally stayed the same. So like, what do we do with ad hoc work? Um, What do you mean I need to write a questionnaire about what kind of car you drive. Like, I don't know anything about cars. How am I supposed to write a questionnaire about that? Um, And she was really fantastic. And she put together like a learning session for me um, with a deck and um, how to write that. And then I asked her, you know, next time you're putting together a questionnaire, I know you might not need to for a little while, but can I come job shadow you? Can I just kind of hang out with you for a little while? And she was fantastic on that. Um, another example for me in this kind of space would be, um, you know, even being in my current role, I have experienced a ton of methodologies that I have never been exposed to before. And again, I try to find those subject matter experts in the org that maybe have done a lot of DCM work or a lot of messaging work or even qualitative research, you know, how do we, how should we think about um, screeners? How should we think about some of these um, B2B audiences? How do we think about B2C audiences when we're uh, like, what are the typical challenges of screeners? Because this screener looks good to me. Are there any red flags? that you've seen before. So um, I am personally never afraid of just saying, you know what, I've actually never worked on something like this before. I'm going to go and research it, get together some best practices and we'll move forward from there. And typically like being open and transparent, um, knowing that I have the know-how of getting to that point of learning how to do it it almost builds more trust with your colleagues. Um, it shows your willingness to learn um, and you're just building your own skill set, which is so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I think for one of the things that I have found though, is the, for me personally, one of the dip, most difficult pieces to do is to go research something, still have no clue um, and, and have to say, Hey, I have no idea where to start on this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I've had to do that with a manager. That for me is the most terrifying thing because I don't want to appear unknowledgeable about my job to my manager. Um, but one of the managers that I had was so fantastic about this. I came in and she's like, why have you not started on this thing? And I finally I just broke down and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. And she had offered that. She's like, do you, are, are you stuck on how to start? Are you stuck? Like, what area are you stuck on? And I'm like, I have no clue where to start. I'm terrified of doing something completely wrong that is going to impact, a, you know, a wide group of people. And she she gave me this advice and it was so, so wonderful and so beautiful. And it was, we're all in this together. There's a reason that we have levels of leadership. There's a reason why we have a bunch of people on a team. And that is so that you don't have to worry about whatever you develop is going to suddenly go public and you're going to lead everyone astray. Like we have things in place and we have people in place who will review what you're doing who are here to give you ideas, who are here to brainstorm with you. Sometimes the stuff that you're looking at is stuff that you've never done before, but neither has anybody else. No one's expecting you to have all of the answers. Uh So it's fine to say, I don't even know where to start. Can someone please brainstorm with me? Um, And it's, that was, that was a bit life-changing for me just to have a manager, especially to say, yeah, I don't know where to start either. This is not something I've done. This is not something you've done. This is not something most people have done. Let's figure it out together. And to have that that stress taken off, um, it has served me better in this where I have found my colleagues that I can go to and say, okay, I don't even know where to start on this. Can you help me just even get started? What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's been really nice to realize that there is so much in the world of market research that can be learned that there is no way, there is no way that every, that there's any person in this world who knows everything there is to know about market research. And no one expects there to be someone who knows everything about market research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's fine to go to someone and say, oh, I am, I am looking at this project. I don't know where to start. You have any idea where to start this? I need a little help just getting there. Awesome. I think that's great. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Whether I think it's whether it's reaching out to our good friend Google um, or Bing or whether it's reaching out to our friends, our colleagues, our coworkers, our managers. Um, I think there is just such value in growing our hard skill set, being a more marketable market research analyst or market research manager or whoever you want to grow into. Yeah. There's such a value in just saying, I want to know more. No one is ever going to tell you you don't you sh- you don't need to learn more or that you're wasting your effort. I don't think. Right, right. Awesome. And if they do, might might not might want to question that. <laughs> <laughs> Just push back. Just push back a little bit, and that's okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. Well, Z, this was so much fun. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, we did a good yeah. job of not getting off track this time. I'm very proud of us. I know. Hooray. We even talked about people and we didn't get off track. Hey. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Z. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of MR Explorer with Christina Perkins and myself, Z Johnson. We look forward to sharing more with you in the future.